0: What is going on everybody welcome back to a regularly scheduled program of Quick Time the Podcast Brandon's back again with our usual cast of characters Jason North Brad Brown with us at the Brew
1: House guys how was your week hot sweltering heat but uh spent the weekend out at the lake had a great weekend with the family and uh got to pay a little bit of attention to the racing but uh it was a, it was a good weekend
2: yeah, I uh, enjoyed uh Friday and Sunday night of the Race Saver Nationals. Uh Saturday sat home, watched the uh, World of Outlaws quote race at Husets and um but it was a, it was a good weekend.
0: You said quote race uh did something happen that night? Uh the tire man made a hell of a lot of money. He he made a lot of money both at Eagle and at uh Yes, he did. at at Heusitz. Yeah, it was a good day for Hoosier tire. <laughs> I bought some stock. <laughs> <laughs> I blame you. <laughs> so yeah, so tonight on the ga- on the show, we're going to be joined by the uh, twenty twenty IMCA Race Saver National Champion Jake Bubak is going to join the program. Uh, we'll probably check in with James Rowland and kind of do our normal Eagle recap, even though we had him on the past couple of recap shows. Uh, if you guys missed any of those, we recapped every night of action out of Eagle Raceway Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So uh, I want to. To you. Yeah, it was James and Dan. Yeah, definitely a lot of hard work. So my shout out is going to go out to James and Dan. Uh, Dan Taylor, he is the host of the Front Stretch show. Uh, It's a local radio show in Omaha on uh, 590 ESPN radio, Sundays at 8 a.m. Or you can also find it on SoundCloud and on YouTube. They upload all their episodes there. They kind of talk local racing. Uh, They dive in a little bit more of the stock cars and everything else. Some NASCAR talk, but like. Uh, he just jumped on and wanted to help out and uh, make our podcast a little bit more known.
2: Much appreciated. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the front stretch, it's a great show. They've been doing it for a while, so it's good, good production, good quality. So uh,
0: just give it a listen. They're on the radio, real radio, <laughs> not the, not this internet <laughs> podcast stuff. We do they on the air. So anybody else got any shout outs? I know Brad, you were out camping, but uh,
1: yeah, I got a shout out. Uh, I got to go with uh, the Jack Dover. Uh, he he went up to Houston and uh, Speedway and represented the Nebraska contingent pretty well by sweeping both nights uh, of the 360 races the MSTs at Houston. Um I didn't see any highlights and I don't know if they were close races or domination. But uh, hey, anytime you can take two for um, two wins and two nights at, at a track like that, it's a uh, props to him. Especially he had a, a rough go out of of it after he destroyed his car at. Uh, oscaloosa for the that, that race and, and he ended up going to the hospital for it and then like a week or so later he had mechanical issues and so forth so props to him for sticking to it rebounding and uh, sweeping houston's last weekend
0: now did they show any of the 360 races
1: on dirt vision yeah
0: they did okay. uh-huh
2: i i didn't like I, said, I didn't catch it on uh sunday night but um saturday night yeah they had it on uh it was not difficult he he got out about halfway um through the race and then then just kind of, there was a couple of, um, I think there was a red flag. There's Smithson's late in the race, but he was never really challenged after that.
0: I threw on, on the Dirt Vision uh, replays every night after I got home from Eagle, but I fell asleep by the time they finished time trial. So <laughs> then again, that was at 4 a.m. So, I mean, I don't think anybody can blame me.
1: Just so you guys are wondering uh, that's Dover's eighth win on the year too so that's uh, that's a pretty good year considering the abbreviated season that he's had
0: yeah has there been a change on the leaderboard on that is uh, Kyle
1: Larson still leading that whole deal Oh he just added to his tally. Uh, <laughs> He's he's got 28 wins and 35 uh, 36 total wins that means midgets sprints um, I did not count as late no maybe I did count his late model but uh, Australia's New Zealand everything so th- 36 wins and he's got 28 in sprint cars. Not a bad year.
2: No. And he, um, obviously, uh, after Friday night, um, was the one guy who saved his tire and was the last guy to blow
0: it. Yeah, <laughs> and, so, yeah he did He did the best tire man has written in still. Yeah,
2: yeah. sometimes it's one of those luck. better to be lucky than good, and Sheldon got lucky. So
1: Well, even Sheldon's tire after he won had no tread on it yeah, at all. Yeah, they were
2: all disintegrated after that. So. Sounded like Eagle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So,
0: uh, Jason, you got a shout-out, speaking of Eagle Raceway.
2: Yeah, I want to give a shout-out to Gary Dominguez. Uh, Gary has been a part of the racing community for decades uh, upon decades. I met him when I was a young guy, and he got us hooked up with uh, old Dutch Allsman uh, back in the 4A days. And I've known Gary uh, really well since then. He was uh, very instrumental at Eagle Raceway. Of course, a lot of people know him as the guy that drives the uh, home real estate pace car. At Eagle Raceway, but he does a lot more than that. He uh, organized the Autograph Day events in the early uh, 2000s. He has uh, secured sponsorships. He's organized sponsorship seminars to help other people get sponsorships. He is a regular at the track on the off nights, helping work the track, helping work the track during race nights, Uh, all sorts of stuff. The guy has put just absolute heart and soul into it. And he just decided after this year he's going to hang it up, focus a little more on his business, focus on his grandkids. And I uh, really want to say send a very special shout-out to Gary Dominguez for all the work he's done for the Sportsburg Car Racing.
0: Yeah, he's definitely been a fixture out of the racetrack for as long as I've been out there. So,
1: Well, and props to him for being a fan first, but being a fan that's doing something to, to help the track instead of bashing it or, or whatever – um, there, and there 's nothing wrong with going to the races and just watching because that 's mostly what I do but uh, for him to take it upon himself to to, to volunteer to help he 'll run the sheep 's foot he'll he'll do whatever it takes to help Roger at Eagle Raceway and, and props to him for doing all that just to, just to have the fans have a good night of racing to watch
0: yeah he 's definitely one of the fans that is a fan then he also wanted to get back to the uh, the sport and this is just the way he could do it.
2: Yeah, very few have
0: given back as much as he has, so yeah, props to Gary. Definitely. So uh, we'll recap uh, Eagle Raceway here a little bit before we get Jake on the phone. Uh, Jason, what did you think of the whole festivities out there?
2: You know, it's hard to uh, it's hard to understate all the hard work that they did to put on that Race Saver Nationals. Um, when you get three days and you get, you know, still 88 cars, I know it's down, but, you know, you've got all the stuff that's happening this year. Obviously, it's probably taken some people out and, And made them stay home. But um, all the 88 cars out there for three days, all the work that's got to go into that, setting up the contingency prizes, setting up the event, setting up the whole, the whole facility is basically open for four days. And so I, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a great thing. And I think he did a great job. And, um, you know, some people were complaining about the track and I, I think those concerns or those they're wrong. They're just flat out wrong.
0: Yeah, they have no idea. I mean, it's easy to sit back and, uh, well, who should have did it this way? You do, you don't know what was going through his mind. You, you gotta look at the weather forecast. He is the forecast was not favorable for Roger by any
2: means. No, it was hot, it was windy, and you know I you know uh, Friday night track went rubber down about the D feature, and by the time C was coming around, guys were losing tires. It was burning burning the tires off of the car off of the cars and i get it you know and he reworked it and then reworked it again and, and there's a lot of reworks into the track but what there, there was a fan that got out on one of the facebook groups and
0: damn, worst race i've seen in 74 years
2: then and, and i would have to say to that guy you you't seen
0: a lot of races yeah now.
2: you haven't seen a lot of races or give me the lotto number because you're the luckiest sob i've ever met you know not to see a race quote that bad What people are failing to understand is, one, you got 88 winged sprint cars going out at 530 in the afternoon starting. So, you're tearing that up. You got 11 heats. You're going to run from the H through the A feature, 14 to 18 laps of feature. So, you're putting down two to three nights worth of racing before you even got to the C feature. Exactly, And so to sit there and complain about that. And then to say, well, well, that A feature was just locked down. You know, he he made the track too good, you know, too wet. Well, first of all, the guys, the starting lineup is rewarded those who started, uh, who did well through passing points. So the fast guys are starting up front. Let's see, Tyler Drukey went from 11th to 2nd. Tyler Grossenbacher, 15th to 7th. Chad Wilson moved up seven spots. Joey Danley moved up three spots. I don't know what race you were watching. Was it the greatest race I ever watched? No. But was, was it, it a bad race? No. Hardly. No. And so it's so misguided. And then, you know, Sunday, um, put they they gambled, put a lot of water on there. It didn't quite pan out. A little too much water on there. But it took about an hour to rework it. But, you know, I heard people, in, and it was big. And they, they had to rework it. There were like 12 to
0: 18-inch ruts in yeah, that Yeah, it thing. was a water bed and turned three and it four. It was pretty
2: bad. <laughs> but, you know, they just kept running the discs down, cut it down, packed it in. And then, you know, you hear people up there, you know, complaining and bitching. And, well, you know, if if so-and-so were here, you know, I you get that fixed. Well, you know what? I saw so-and-so. He's riding on a golf cart. You know, and I, I'm not going to say who it is. But it's like, it he's a perennial bitcher at the track. I'll just leave it at that. And um, so I will just leave it at that. So my point is.
0: <laughs> Brad and I are confused like this is. I, I will.
2: Yeah, I'll discuss it <laughs> off air. But the point is, like, I saw him on the golf cart, and there ain't no blade, there ain't no sheep's foot, there ain't no packing, there ain't no water on it. What are you doing? You know, if he's going to help, then then get down there. Otherwise, it was an hour later. Everybody got out of their cars, and you know what? We had a great track after that. We had a great race after that. It came down the last freaking
0: lap. Yeah, I mean, props to Roger. Yeah, he he admitted that he screwed up. It was yeah. it was embarrassing. But he took the time out and fixed it instead of like. Fuck it, we'll run it. Who cares? Yeah, just run it in. You know? Yeah, no, he took the time to fix it, fix it right. Yeah, it took a little bit of time, but he saved a lot of time at the end.
2: Yeah, and it was it was a good track after that. You know, one thing was a lot of it was um, he really tried to keep it from getting ruddy, and with all that water on there, he packed it in pretty tight. And in some cases, it burned him, but it did not get ruddy. You know, and even after they cut the track up, it it still was fine.
0: Yeah, we've had the lowest eagle flip count in the last
2: since since the inaugural race. Yeah, there were two times I heard him on the radio too. He said, "I don't want to get these give these guys a shitty track to run on," and that's why he went out and redid it. So,
1: well, like I've said a couple times, rant. I'm I don't like people that complain about something they don't have any idea about, and they have no idea what the work Roger put into it. I don't even know because I wasn't ever out there. The whole the whole I say race saver nationals, but we know, <laughs> but. Uh, to sit back and think that you can do it better or be critical of, of what he did, I mean, sometimes you got to take a chance. I mean, no track in the in the world is a hundred percent racy every night. So even Knoxville has shitty nights. Absolutely, oh has. yeah, and and they arguably have the best in the business. So um, three months ago, when you were at home on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, not watching any racing, I'm sure that guy was still bitching. So you got to just you got to take it for what it's worth and just just enjoy what you were at and and drink another cold beer instead of complaining i guess yeah
0: yeah like your mom always said if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all
1: tracks for sale yeah yeah, yeah put your yeah, money where sure. your mouth is yeah. bud.
2: What, what did I, what did gary tell us and one percent down yeah so good go
0: yeah
1: like 300 grand down i think it'll yeah. be all right yeah does he take bad checks
0: <laughs> no comment
1: I, i wouldn't i wouldn't own a racetrack if that was i mean if i won the lottery tomorrow there is no way in hell i would own a racetrack just because of this this dipstick that's complaining about the track. I mean, you can't ple- there's always going to be somebody mad at you every night. And if I'm a millionaire, the last thing I need that to, to worry about is the stress of somebody getting mad for no apparent reason. Uh, the, I ran out of hot dogs at concession stand or pickles are not green enough. I'm selling bud light instead of Miller light or whatever. I, I don't, there's no way I would deal with
0: that. See, headache. I would tell them to go fuck off, get the fuck out of my racetrack. I have no problem with this. So Jason, trailers
2: have wheels and racetracks don't.
0: Yeah, so Jason and I, we, we were, we, you know, we were bullshitting up there and you know talking about what we would do to the place if you know, not the whole not my money, not deal. my money. So yeah, I mean, if I won the lottery, I'd own a racetrack. I'd do like what Todd Quirin does and own the racetrack and hire someone else to run it for me.
2: It's it can be a thankless job. I mean, you gotta really want to do it, and you gotta, you know, whatever you got to say is Roger has. It, for whatever you know, whatever you think of him personally, Roger has done a great job of building that race saver program up into a, a big show. And to think that he doesn't care about sprint cars, or whatever he <laughs> he could have thrown them out there in 2013, yeah, and he didn't.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, if you look at what I mean, there's race savers all over the country now. It started, you know, it just you know we started. I'd with, argue it's know, probably the largest cars.
2: largest group of sprint cars now.
1: Yeah, I think that's hands down. Compiling my winners list there's 305 races in geez, almost every state and it's so hard to find results for all those 305 races but uh um yeah they're they're everywhere they're like they're like flies they're just everywhere yeah and and, and i completely understand why you're going to run a 305 because not everybody can afford a $50,000 360 or or a $65,000 410 and so i completely understand why you're doing it and and i'm glad you're doing it but uh um yeah they they are everywhere so
0: yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely taken over. I mean, you you could say the ASCS 360s were were the uh, the majority holder, but now this Race Saver program has definitely taken off.
2: Yeah, and it's nice to have a, a, you know, their marquee event right here in our own backyard.
1: Yep.
0: Yep, definitely cannot complain with that. So, yeah, I, I do just, want to. It announce. was just a long 4 days. I'm just glad to be finally done with it. It's it's kind of like Knoxville i mean it's it's fun way you're going on with
1: it but it's a long couple of days
2: how did i hear him say you hate to see it end but you're glad it's over yeah so
1: i do want to give a little bit of a shout out to don drow jr picking up a win with the midwest wingless sprint car series uh they primarily run out of missouri and maybe a little bit of kansas but uh he picked up a win at bethany speedway and uh, he got second the previous night and i draw a blank on what track that was but uh uh, he finished second in the points uh, behind Wyatt Burks, but uh, uh, shout-out to uh, um, uh, Don John Jr. and uh, Mark Birch Motorsports.
0: It's definitely kind of weird saying we're wrapping up points champions. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt it seems, like we just got started. Yeah, it definitely seems like the season just got started. But if you look outside right now, it's cold. It's probably going <laughs> to snow by the time we're done here. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> season's over with. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so with that being said, we're going to take a quick break, and we will jump back on with Jake Bubak, the winner of the IMCA 305 Race Sabre National. What happened out there? I'm fine. I just had to deal with my asshole uh, teammates' defense. They wasn't happy with me for crowding but shit, I want
3: to
2: uh-huh. win. Come
3: here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Pisser. Piece of shit. All that stupid-ass flagman. They got a dumb-ass flagman that can't see.
0: All right. Welcome back, guys. We are now joined by the latest IMCA race Saber 305 National Champion, Jake Bubak. Jake. Uh, pretty successful weekend. You knocked off your, uh, another race of champions win on Saturday night and, uh, you took home the big prize on Sunday, man. Just kind of talk about your weekend a little bit.
4: Yeah, we're <clears throat> honestly, we, well, we came out for a race of champions heat race and it was, uh, it was a pretty tough heat race and we were starting in the back and we were able to win that. So I was going into, uh, the first prelim night, pretty confident. And, uh, we weren't very good, very disappointed with our uh, Friday night efforts. But we came back and were able to win the race of champions and got, our, got around our car a lot better and were able to finally pick up the Sunday night win, which was great.
0: Yeah, you mentioned you were a little uh, disappointed in your uh, your prelim uh, efforts on Friday night. Was that a lot to do with maybe the, the track conditions or was it just more or less uh, the car setup and driver mistakes?
4: Um, a little bit of both um they obviously we didn't want the the rubber like like that were the f and d and all those lower mains had to run through so uh, like i was very grateful that he reworked the track but he just made they just made it a little too good and it was just around the bottom pretty much for 25 laps and you really couldn't pass anybody but uh we didn't have the car real good and we ended up hurting some tires just the way we ended up having them cut um so we we kinda went in the hard way there, but we were still able to get locked in and it, it actually put us in a great starting spot for Sunday.
2: And talk to us about uh the Sunday race. Uh, it was it was kinda of drama filled. We had some uh you know, Ethan Barrow, Friday night winner, got out and started running with it. Uh you were coming along, but then we had, you know, yellow flags, guys spin out, guys around the lead. Kind of take us through that uh through that day feature.
4: It was wild for sure. Um the start was kind of ragged there and then um, <clears throat> Tyler Dricky kind of went in there and hit that hole really bad and bounced across in front of us and that was definitely a scare especially on lap one and then after that it was kind of attrition um, with with Ethan breaking that wheel center and then um, I think Joey Danley I'm not sure if he hit the hole or, or hit a lap car or whatever it was but he spun right, right in front of us too and we were able to avoid that but we had a pretty good car and I, I, the track the track was pretty good it, it was actually it was really tough and tricky in 3 and 4 and um i kept getting real tight over there and about gave it away there on the last corner so that was <laughs> that wasn't good but just very very relieved that we were able to finally finally win that race
0: now, uh, when you when you took the lead when you got around Tra- Trevor Service, uh, Trevor kind of went to the bottom. Was that kind of a just a lap traffic kind of deal when you you could stay up on the high side and, side and kind of go where the lap cars weren't?
4: Yeah, it ended up working good. He he caught that lap car just at a, a wrong time for him and a perfect time for me. And um, the lap car was very indecisive and kind of went in the middle. Um, and there was a big hole there on the bottom of one and two. And I don't know if he hit it or had to slow down just enough to go underneath the hole or what, but I was able to get a, get a big run and clear both of them on the top. Um, That's how I ended up getting a lead from them.
1: Jake, you said you were uh, tight in three and four Um, as a driver. um, Can you tell knuckleheads like me that have never been in a sprint car? What do you do as an, as a, as a driver to adjust to that and help, uh, help keep your momentum up and, and not, not cost yourself anything when you're going to 3 and 4 every time you make a lap?
4: Well, it's a little bit easier when you're by yourself because um, you can you can run the car a lot harder. When I was having my problems, um, it was when I, I was behind a, a lap car, a 76 car, and he was going in just slower than I was, and I couldn't... I couldn't... I don't know. The, the cushion was really deep over there, and you had to be on the gas really hard. with 305s having such little horsepower you don't you don't have anything in reserve when you're running the top um as far as tire spin to try and get you out of the cushion and so i just when i followed him in there i i got real tight and the front end pushed over it and i jumped across it trevor came trevor came flying in there and we actually ended up hitting each other and i still feel really bad about that because i it cost him a, a really good finish too and but I don't know. It, it, it's tough in lap traffic like that. And then they allowed that car to they, they let ledger come out without a wing and his pace was so slow that it was kind of messing. I don't know. It it made a lot of traffic and it was uh, very difficult to get through just the way the track was.
0: Yeah. I was going to just, I was going to ask you about uh, with Cody coming back out there without the top wing on there. What was your thought when he went to lap him? when, you know, you're flying up on a car and there's no top wing. It's definitely one of the strangest things I've ever seen.
4: (laughs) Yeah, it was strange, but like I said, his pace was so slow that you're just the way you judge lap cars and timing of everything. It just, it changed it. Um, not only for me, I'm sure for everybody. Um, and, and then that really screws you up when, when he's kind of going around the bottom 10 or 15 mile an hour slower than even the other lap cars. It just, it creates a, a big roadblock for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. When he came back out, I, I kind of looked at everybody that was around me. I go, is this even legal?
1: I had no clue you
0: could come out there without a
1: top wing. You wonder why yeah, they would do a that. Safety issue. Yeah. But. You would wonder why they would do that.
4: Yeah. I, I don't think it was right. I, I for sure think it's a safety issue, but it happened. And <laughs> I guess every, everyone had to deal with it. So yeah. All's well then. I, guess All's well, I guess it was guess. fair. <laughs>
0: So now uh, you, you've uh, not only run the 74B car and the 305 Series, but you also run for the Oach Brothers, and a, that's a 410. So what's it like jumping? We, we talked to guys who you know jump from a 360 and 410 down to a 305, but what's it like jumping from the 305 up to the 410?
4: It's real tough. Um, the speed and the horsepower between the two is, is insane. And, and then obviously, the I don't want to say the level of competition, but the four ten drivers are much more experienced and professional about what they're, what they're doing. Nothing against the throw five guys and, or myself, but it's, it's just a whole different level for sure. Um, but I definitely enjoy it a lot more than it's, it's tough, but I love getting, getting the opportunity to go do it.
0: Yeah. With that being said, you, uh, you're going to run with the outlaws over at dark city for the, uh, what is it? The boot hill showdown. Is that what they're calling that race?
4: Yeah. Yep, we'll be there Friday and Saturday night, and then if everything goes right, we're supposed to go to Lawton and Devil's Bowl the following weekend with them also.
0: Yeah, definitely. You found success in the 305 over at Dodge City a couple of weeks ago. Are you hoping to maintain that momentum, and uh, what, what's what's ultimately your goal for uh, running with the Outlaws this weekend?
4: Well, we ran there last year, and we ran we ran really well in my dad's car. So we do have a lot of laps there, and I don't know. I, I don't. I certainly don't expect to win or have any expectations about doing that. But if we could run in the top ten, that would be great.
1: How how long do you? How long will it take you to adapt? And when you strap in, I know you know that it's a four ten and so forth. But is it going to take you just like one set of hot laps? And you're you're like riding a bike. You you remember where you're at and you have that four ten power. I mean, I'm sure you've done enough, you've done enough, (laughs) you've done enough laps. so I'm sure it's not too difficult to go and remember that you do have a 410 on on, underneath your, the hood of your car.
4: Yeah, it's, it's not only just the driving part, but the way the cars work in the air and when you get behind other people, that's the, that's the really hard part that a lot of people don't, don't understand until they do it. That in a 305, you can, you can fall someone into the corner right behind them and, in a 360 and a 410, you really can't do that because they're going so much faster, and the wings blow such a big hole in the air that the cars won't turn when you're directly behind somebody. So, I don't know. I, I'm thinking that I would love to be able to say I could adapt in a hot lap session, but it'll after the first night. I'm sure the second night will be a lot, a lot smoother for me.
1: I remember Carl Kinzer uh, answering somebody's questions. Somebody asked him once, "How long do you? Ex- how long should uh, you expect your driver to?" To take to adapt to a track, and and he said like one lap, and that's all he that's all the leeway he gave him. So uh, <laughs> that's why I asked that question for you. So uh, you mentioned a little bit ago about your dad. Uh, you ran your dad's car last year. Uh, I I was around when your dad was uh, driving uh, on a regular basis, and he was always a a hard contender when he showed up at a racetrack. So Mike, cur- I'm curious, what kind of a role does he play in your career right now? Does uh, I mean I'm sure he's there to support you, but does he? crew chief or what, what uh, what role does he play for you right now in your, your career?
4: Um, it, it kind of depends on who I'm driving for, what his role is. Um, and honestly, where we're racing, um, a lot of times he's able to make it. And at least with the 74 car, him and I make the, make the, or he makes the decisions, I guess, um, is what I'm saying. But, um, like when I go drive for the one X car, um, they, they have their own group of people and he just kind of sits back and watches and was there to support. Um, and same thing when I run for Patrick Bork, cause a lot of times I'm running his midget. And oh, yeah. <clears throat> neither one of us really know anything about those. So, um, he <laughs> just kind of, that one's fun. Running those is fun for both of us because we, neither one of us, like I said, neither one of us really know what we're doing and, it's just a, a fun change, change of pace for both of us.
1: Where do you run that midget at? We're, we're from, obviously, from Lincoln, Nebraska, and we don't get midget racing here in, in the state very often. So just curious, where do you run that at?
4: Um, well, at Chili Bowl, I've ran it the last two years for him, okay. And then uh, <clears throat> we went to uh, Placerville, Bakersfield, and Ventura last year with USAC at the end of the year, and then um, Garden City, Kansas, uh, with uh MRA, he's actually the president of that club. So, anytime I have an off weekend or anything like that, I try and get hooked up with them. And either go run his sprint car or, or his midget.
0: Yeah, definitely. We're we're big midget fans here. We're just a little upset that we don't get them that much here in in this
1: area. <laughs> we're in the wrong state, just like Colorado. we <laughs> not, not a lot going on there.
4: Yeah, there's well, there really isn't any sprint car racing in Colorado anymore. And, but. The midget stuff is actually it's doing really well out there. Um, since Patrick it became president of that club, it, they've gotten a lot more cars, and it's actually it's it's growing pretty big.
0: So uh, you you won obviously now with the the Eagle uh, Nationals, and you've also won the Belleville Nationals. Uh, there's a lot of talk about which one's a bigger race around this area. Do you <laughs> ha- do you have any opinion, or are they both you know very big races in your book?
4: Um, they're both pretty big. Um, I I don't want to offend anybody, but (laughs) personally, I think the Belleville one is bigger. Um, Eagle Eagle brings a lot more cars for sure, but the quality and caliber of the cars that come to Belleville is extremely high. Um, and then the payout is obviously, I mean, it's, it's awesome. You, you can't deny that in any way, but, We've been coming to Eagle for a long time, so to finally be able to win that was was a big deal for
1: us. Can Can you uh, um, tell us or share with us how you hooked up with the '74 um, Coyote Candle Company car? Uh, that's always a strong contender, and uh, uh, everybody's pretty familiar with it. That paint job hardly ever changes, and so that's one of those cars that when you when it rolls in, everybody knows um, that car. And and you've been the driver for the last several years, so everybody knows that that uh, you're going to be a contender at the track. So uh, can you, how how did you hook up with the 74 car?
4: Um, we, in, I think it was 2014 or 15, um, with my dad's car, we would go to Wichita Falls, Texas quite a bit and race out there. And John Carney and and Ben, they would, they'd be racing there. And Ben told me that I was their biggest competition. So when him and John went separate ways, um, we actually we actually met with Ben at the PRI show. Um, we got hooked up with him there and then he called me a couple months later and asked if I'd be willing to drive his car and um, I drove out here to Lubbock like 30 times that summer to drive for him and wow. then the next year I finally it was it was just more realistic to move out here than, than to travel 10 hours one way every weekend for for that long. So that's actually how I got hooked up with him and we've been together ever since. It's been, it's been a very good partnership. It's
1: been a pretty good move for both of you then. Yeah. Well, you got uh, eight wins on the year now. Can you uh, kind of grade your season for us and just, uh, I mean, has it been what you kind of expected? I know it's been a COVID abbreviated year, but uh, eight wins is a, a pretty good year.
4: Yeah. Eight wins is not bad. I think especially since I don't, I don't think we've ran over twenty-five races. Holy, oh,
1: yeah, uh, that's good. Because
4: of the COVID stuff, which yeah, that's good. But it definitely stinks to miss as many races as we had to. And they're still getting canceled to this day. Um, just before I left for Eagle, we found out that the ASCS race at Texas Motor Speedway got canceled, and that's a that's a big one that we have a lot of fun going to. It's just the the hype around the NASCAR weekend and that Tony Stewart puts it on. It's it's a big deal. So that really stinks, but I don't know We're we tried to make the best of it and it's going pretty good. And luckily I do drive for other people. So um, if, if something were to get canceled, I could, I've been calling and trying to find other things that are available during those times.
0: So yeah, and eight wins on the year uh, you're 19 short from catching Kyle Larson. Uh, What's your plans for the, (laughs) what's your plans for the (laughs) new year to catch up with him?
4: Well, I probably won't even race 19 more races this year, so that one's definitely out of the picture. (laughs) But um, we really don't have a whole lot left. Um, Those couple outlaw races, hopefully if everything goes well, then we'll go run the ASGS National Tour race at Devil's Bowl, um, the Winter Nationals. And that's really, that's probably going to end it for us
0: yeah this 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 season started late and it seems like it's ending way too early than what it actually is but uh congratulations on the win i want to thank you for jumping on with us and uh we hope you uh have success this weekend with the outlaws
4: all right thank you thanks for having me yeah thanks a lot jake thank
0: thank you all right all right bye-bye bye Bye. all right that was jake bubach the winner of the imca race saber 305 nationals at eagle raceway uh pretty successful year i mean he's not going to catch kyle larson but eight wins is nothing to you know (laughs) that's not your hat at at.
1: well to get eight wins in what three different cars that's that's pretty good i mean that's hard to juggle you got it different personalities different setups and different cars three tens uh four tens three sixties three oh five so yeah you, you really can't complain about that year i mean everybody always wants to have more wins but uh there's a lot of people who would die to have eight wins this year
2: yeah, Jake's had a great, great season. Um, tough competitor. I think he, you know, I'd love to see him move up and uh, start making some more runs in the 410, maybe some bigger shows. He's definitely got talent. Uh, he, you know, just like you said, the ability to just hop into other cars and have success with them. And I, I I think there's good things ahead for the young man.
0: Yeah, he's definitely always a contender, no matter where he rolls into when that uh, 74B car's with him. So he definitely has a talent he has the equipment so uh, it'd be nice to see him you know make that next jump and see what where his career can take him
1: i agree with you guys i think he's been really successful in 360s over the years too so and and i this is nothing against 305s but um it's it's time for him to jump up into the 360s and 410s if somebody can put a, a good right underneath him but uh, the um the 1x car out of uh, out of kansas um the oak brothers uh, that's that's a good car donderall Jr. Taking that car to several wins so um maybe that's the kind of where he needs to start going and and uh, um he, he definitely needs to be in the 360s and 410s he's, he's a contender all the time
2: yep i'm definitely uh definitely happy to see him win it's that 74 car obviously you know it's tough um just uh there's only so many rides you know and yep. i think sometimes the the number of rides is dwindling and. Uh, like I said, it it's just great to see, you know, a guy like him with talent uh, winning out there. So, yep. best of luck to him.
0: Yep, and with that being said, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to jump back on with James Rowland and kind of just recap Eagle a little bit more. Now it's time for the Eagle Raceway Roundup with track announcer James Rowland. James, man, how's it going to been a day since i've seen you and talked to you uh normally we go about a week but uh this week has been a crazy week with us hanging out at eagle all weekend long so uh personally man, how was your week
3: oh dude what a blast i mean i've i must have needed some sleep because i got like eight hours for the first time in what seems like years man it was an ass kicker but it was a lot of fun
0: too many late nights at the melon bar i guess Late nights at the Melon Bar, carried back to my camper, carried back to other people's campers.
3: Man, there were there were too many nights that I saw daylight come up. That's for sure.
0: So we definitely saw a lot of racing action at Eagle Raceway this weekend. But I want to know what was what was your favorite thing that you saw outside of the track?
3: Outside of the track, yep. uh, my beat worked on about four girls, so that's always a good thing to see outside of the track. Um, but really, what I was impressed with was the amount of campers and people that we had come in. You know, it it almost seemed like we were back in that no-restriction time that was not so long ago. But, man, what a packed house all throughout the weekend. My favorite thing when I rolled back there on Monday to go get the four-wheeler and the generator and stuff was uh, actually people did a pretty good job of keeping their shit picked up, which was an issue there a couple years ago. But, man, we're really getting better
1: at that. Yeah, you've always been an advocate about picking up your shit, so... Well, props to you guys, man. We went. I was out at the lake at Branch Stoke, and we had air conditioning there. And for you guys to be out at Eagle, and I'm sure there were some generators that had uh, produced air conditioning, but, man, there had to be a lot of those people out there without air conditioning. And I don't know how you guys did it, but I uh, props to you guys, man. You diehards.
3: I don't know how in the hell somebody could do it in a tent. I mean, the, <laughs> the only reason that I have AC in my camper is because I bring my dogs out. And I just don't, you know, I'm the type of guy that'll bust your window if you leave your dog in a hot car. So there's no way I'm going to leave mine in a hot camper.
0: I'm too big of a pussy to go with that AC. That's why I went home every night.
3: (laughs) No, there you go. At least you had something to snuggle with, too. Some of us didn't get that.
0: Yeah, yeah, had that. So uh, a lot of racing action. We saw a lot of cool shit Uh, on the track. What was the favorite thing you saw?
3: Um, honestly, as cool of a dude as it was and as much of a heartbreak as it was, I finally found a video. I'll have to send it to you of when Ethan Barrow lost that wheel and it came rolling back down the ramp.
0: Yeah, that was, that was pretty unique. That was insane. I was definitely shocked when I saw it coming rolling down the, uh, the on ramp on out of turn two. I mean, he launched that tire basically going into turn one and somehow like we, we talked about it, it was that magic JFK bullet on our recap show that it came back down the ramp. It yeah, was it insane
2: was over the fence. So you're like, Oh my God, you know, who, who got hurt back there? Hit nobody from what I could tell. And then what 20 seconds later, whatever we see it rolling down, <laughs> rolling down the up in the track entrance.
3: <laughs> oh man, it, it was wild. You know, for, as you know, when you talk about the racing action, there were some great slide jobs and everything, but, Normally, you expect to see a lot more wreck type of situations, and we just really didn't see it. And that really says a lot about the track conditions and the caliber of drivers that we have. Because, you know, you don't have a lot of squirrels behind the wheel when you get up to that caliber of car. And I, I think our, four, our flip count ended at 4, uh, and we everybody
1: were, that flipped we was were, able to continue a little later.
0: Yeah, we were at, I think, 8 for the whole weekend. So, Wow,
1: for 88 cars and only 8 Flips in in four days. That's that's not too bad at all. No, it was
0: definitely a a good weekend. We didn't tear up a lot of shit, so that was good.
2: You know, there was a lot of you know. I know some people took issues you know with the track on some one of the nights and the track prep, but I would say this: um, it was a smooth track. You know, they they really tried their best to keep a lot of the ruts. I know there were a couple out there, but they really tried to keep that a smooth track, and I think that helped keep the flip count down low. I mean, obviously, if you're Mike Moore, you know, <laughs> you walked out with the junk car, but. But, other than that it was it was a weekend that wasn't real hard on equipment, so that was a good thing to see
3: you know bumps in the racetrack are kind of like banging a real big girl. There's always going to be at least one
0: <laughs> that is true uh we we kind of mentioned you know a little the our eagle flip count uh one cool thing that I don't think gets enough credit and not- or, uh, notoriety as it deserves is the uh the tow crew. They put together a uh, kind of like a hard luck award. Uh, throughout the year, they pull up their own cash. Uh, this year, it was just over a thousand dollars and a bottle of moonshine that went to Darren Bolak uh, for his. For, I mean, he didn't have a greatest weekend. He obviously didn't tear up a lot of shit, but he he was on the hook more than once this weekend. Yeah,
3: what a cool deal that those guys have came up with. As if they don't give us enough already with their time and the equipment that they bring out for uh, you know to come haul our drivers' shit off. It's, it's so cool to see them giving back and doing something like that just simply out of the kindness of their hearts because they definitely don't get any kind of kickback or any extra notoriety other than maybe just a couple more thank yous on Facebook. But that's such a cool thing that you don't get to see everywhere.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. And and I, I think the moonshine helped out, you know, for getting the weekend. Then when you look in your pocket, you find a, you know, a cool, cool, grand and
1: hardcore cool cash. that helps out a lot.
0: That's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, and you got the moonshine to wash down the sorrow.
1: So what kind of moonshine? Did somebody make it or did they just buy it? It was homemade moonshine. Well there you go. Yeah, it
3: looked like looked to me like it was some of that apple pie moonshine. It wasn't no real Kentucky clear like my granddaddy used to make. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Uh, yeah. Which,
3: well I mean the apple pie is way way better tasting anyway.
0: I
1: wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, we'll
1: help you find out. Yeah, so uh so great great the great the whole weekend uh, at the Eagle. I mean, what was uh I mean, did it live up to your expectations? Was it uh a little bit to be desired on a couple nights or overall was it uh it was a pretty dang good race and being an employee at Eagle, I think I already know the answer to this question, but I'm just curious. What do you, what's your true honest opinion on how how the whole weekend went? You know,
3: my true honest opinion um Friday night, I was kind of with the drivers a little bit. It was a little slick for my liking, kind of a little more one lane. Like your top four finished, or your top four starters were your top four finishers, and then all the way from the back, you had B cars moving up and everything. So I kind of like to see a little bit more slicing and dicing up at the front. But when you get checked out like that and you've got the track figured out, then I can't take anything from you. But but as the weekend continue to go on track conditions got better and better and better and then sunday night we we were just in for one hell of a race and uh you know the only thing that was really to be desired is is something that i can't get too upset over i think there was like 122 cars pre-registered and we ended up with 88 which is still an incredibly good car count nothing to look down upon but you know it was a little bit discouraging seeing you know more than 20 entries say they're going to be there not show up but this is also about the most fucked up year in any of our lifetimes. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there are some people whose work wouldn't let them travel, whose budgets ran out. Maybe they wadded the car up in the last couple of weeks and couldn't get something back together. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not a real big proponent of excuses. You know, an excuse is a roadblock. And if you come across a roadblock, what are you going to do? Are you going to lay there and take it or are you going to drive through it? But, you know, this year I'll let them slide because it's a weird world we're living in.
0: Now that we wrapped up this season over at Eagle Raceway, what's, what's on your, uh, your docket list? What are, you, what are your plans?
3: Uh, I'm thinking about quitting my job so I can go to I-80 on Friday. Probably won't happen, but it's a thought. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to go check out some fender car stuff in October. I know for sure I've got some time off to go to the tradition over at Adams County. That's another thing we should add sprint cars to. Um, fall Nationals at Beatrice with as much of a hard time as I've given those guys on their marketing and stuff this year, I'm going to go down and try and give them a couple dollars and see if I can put a few uh, words in a couple people's ears and try to maybe help that place. But otherwise I don't really have a lot planned other than slow racing and dirt vision.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned that you were, you're thinking about quitting your job. I for one have quit a job to go racing before. <laughs> Look, I have
3: too, but, uh, I don't think, you know, a high school job's way different than what I've got right now with the real good 401K and all the nice benefits. So I I really think I just need to kind of keep my nose to the grindstone and keep looking at their little job board and seeing when something on first shift opens up because they got to give me a break eventually.
1: Well, look at Ken Shimmick's weather forecast. Uh, Stay, go to work on Friday. I think you're going to be safe. (laughs)
3: Okay. Yeah, Ken's about the only guy that I trust too, so I'll have to tune that in.
1: (laughs)
0: All right. Well, I want to thank you for jumping on. And uh, once again, thanks for jumping on this entire week with us uh, doing the recap shows. I had a blast with you and Dan after the races.
3: Dude, I tell you what, you don't owe me a single bit of thanks. I think all my gratuity goes over to you and Dan Taylor because I learned a ton this weekend about the podcasting, a little bit more about racing, more about the marketing. It was a huge learning curve for me. So thank you for having me, and I'll come talk to you whenever you want.
0: Yeah, you didn't learn anything from me because I'm just a hack, and I'm just pushing buttons over here.
1: <laughs> hack photographer, hack podcast man, um, but uh, he, he gets the job done. So. Well, <laughs> you know,
3: Brandon showed me something. Um, he can't be that hack of a podcast guy because I'm pretty sure I've seen the worst in the game now.
0: Yeah, I shared out the uh the podcast that Brad shared with us all. So uh it's definitely uh we're we're definitely
1: uh, you know, at least one notch up above that. Yeah. I Miles ahead. I can't believe there was two episodes, let alone I forget what he's got, but yeah. We're not gonna say the name because uh, whatever it is, but uh yeah, that was really hard to listen to.
0: I will say Man, this. Maybe though. they'll
3: sell me some equipment cheap. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I will say this though. It it takes a lot to start. And at least he's doing it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Who knows where I'll be in a year. Yep. All right, James. Well, thanks for jumping on and we will talk to you and maybe I'll see you at the, uh, ID this weekend.
3: All right, brother. Have a good one guys. See See ya. See ya.
0: All right. Once again, thanks for James, uh, jumping on with us. Uh, it's been a heck of a year. I want to thank him for coming on almost every week and, uh, kind of recapping Eagle when, uh, neither of us could be out there
2: yeah you know we spent a lot of time other places and james obviously got the eyes the the ears the pulse on the place and sometimes he sees things that we don't and he shares that with us in his
0: own uh, special way <laughs> yes his own special way
1: yeah. <laughs> yes sir i love
0: you james all right with that being said we're gonna take another break and we will come back and uh give us our, our thoughts on uh, track conditions a little bit more and kind of recap the weekend or preview the weekend ahead
3: it's time for
2: Thunder Relived. We dig deep into the USAC vault to relive the heroes of Thunder from yesteryear. Relive all the thrills, spills, and greatest moments from USAC's sprint, midget, and silver crown history with a roundtable, in depth discussion from USAC's key figures, past and present. Watch Thunder Relived every Thursday and Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern on Flow Racing.
0: All right, welcome back, guys. We kind of teased it a little bit. Uh, we got the Bobby Parker Memorial coming up here at I-80 on Friday night, and then we have the Midwest. Is it the, is it the Midwest Fall Brawl? Is that the official title they're going with?
1: Uh, yeah, it, it, I think it's just Fall Brawl, yeah. Casey's General Star Fall Brawl.
0: Yep, that's also at I-80 uh, Speedway. That's with the ASCS National Tour coming in. Uh, weather's not looking the greatest, but uh, right now my plan is to be out there Friday and Saturday.
1: For me, uh, I I don't know that I'm going out Friday because I think Mother Nature is going to play play a major role. But uh, um, I do plan on going out there Saturday eight to the Fall Brawl. Uh, they're having uh, three years of lap money that's been saved up because of rainouts. That so they're going to have seven thousand dollars worth of lap money. Ooh. There's going to be a three hundred dollar most laps led award by the uh, Knoxville Raceway, and then the Knox Vegas Fan Club uh, is offering five hundred dollar hard charge or so. There's a thousand, eight thousand dollars worth of contingency money's up for a grab, and uh, I want to. I think I'm going to, believe it or not, I'm, i think I'm going to go out to the race. I do think I'm going to pay pit pass and park on the back stretch and sit in the back on backstretch bleachers just to stay away from everybody. But I think I got to hit this race.
0: You know, the cool thing about parking on the back stretch is you can stay in your pickup truck. They broadcast the races on FM radio out there, so you can hear the announcers and be like, just like you were on the front stretch, but you're in the comfort of your own pickup. You've got the AC going if it's hot, which I do not think it's going to be a problem this year. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah,
1: and then if it happens to rain, you, like I said, you're in your own truck. Well, my pickup almost got landed on by a sprint car parking on in the inside guardrail, so we'll see what happens by parking on the outside guardrail. So correct me if I'm wrong, but the last time we, we had the fall
0: brawl, Wayne Johnson, did he didn't he walk out of there with a lot of money? Or was that a different race that I'm thinking of?
1: It was the fall brawl. It yeah. was a two day fall brawl and you got if you won both nights you won a fifty thousand dollar bonus. And he did did win both of them. But I don't know if that was the very last fall brawl that we've had because it's been so long, we've had three rainouts outs since. So. I think
2: Johnny Gibson mentioned something like when, you know, they're qualifying around there. He said that I think that was the biggest uh, money race Wayne Johnson ever won. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, there was He's one more race. Was there one more? Yeah, and, and they could not get insurance money to cover that because the fall brawl Because Wayne won. screwed it all up and took the money the first well, year? No, the, uh, Dover won it the first year. And, oh. And uh, Wayne won it the second mm-hmm. year. So um, so there was two years in a row, so uh, they, they couldn't find insurance to cover it, so it just became a normal fall brawl with, like, $8,000 a week. Yeah, if something.
2: you're not aware of how a lot of these things, you know, with these contingencies and you know, the giveaways or, you know, if you do this, $1 million dollars, you buy an insurance policy for that. And they've got people who've seen all these things, and they'll run the numbers through, and they'll ask, like, for your results and things like that. We, we did this, like, for the pace truck and stuff like that. So you buy an insurance policy, but if you hit it to, you know, obviously the underwriter that's like new, no, I'm not going to, I'm not yeah. going to do this. Now.
1: Yeah. So. Well, there was talk about changing how uh, back then um, you, if you won the first night, you were automatically locked into the front two rows of the second night. Well, the, the, the year that they were looking for insurance, what they were going to do is they were going to do two completely different shows and nobody was locked in the second night. But they still couldn't find uh, anybody that would be willing to put up an insurance policy for that. So it just became a a two-night fall brawl without all that bonus money. But uh, um, Alan DeHay stepped in and started a lap money sponsorship. And uh, due to rainouts, there's uh, $7,000 on the line. And what's cool about it is it's going to go to 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, 5th. Tenth and fifteenth. So, if you're on fifteenth, you're still going to get some money, of uh, um, some bonus money from this.
0: You know, we mentioned Alan uh, quite a bit on the podcast here uh, in the past couple episodes. He's another one of those, you know, fans that actually stepped up and did something to help out with the sport. Kind of like what we were talking with Gary yeah, yeah. Uh, earlier in the show.
1: Yeah, he's done ton for i eighty Speedway, and now that he had to move to Iowa for work related issues, uh, he's a huge supporter of Knoxville, Iowa, Knoxville Raceway. They. They have that Knoxville, um,
2: spend the 360. Yeah, yeah, the 360 like, fan club or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. 360 fan
1: club, and they are adding thousands of dollars to the 360 purse every week. And so um, he's he's an, he's amazing. He just loves the sport and he wants to see it thrive. And so um, he's the fall brawl has been kind of his baby at Knoxville, and he's gotten Casey's General Store on board. So Casey's is there, fall brawl, and it's just – it's been one of the better – well, probably the biggest race of the year in yeah, Nebraska. Not that we have a lot of big ones, but it's – uh Where um, were you last week
0: when we had a pretty good one?
1: I was camping. <laughs> um,
2: but uh I know that, like, in Knoxville, I think they mentioned him, you know, a couple times in 360, and, about, and I think it was one of the announcers, that, I think it was Tony, said, basically gave Allen credit for basically resurrecting that 360 class yeah, for yeah. bringing it up, so yeah. – done a lot for 360 racing especially
1: yeah and i'm I'm hearing that all three McCarles will be there saturday night and they're penciling in friday night but it's all going to depend on weather and so forth but uh um, not very often you get to see uh austin carson and terry in a 360 on the same night and of course terry's in his own car now they uh, he's done with the destiny motorsports car probably the best move ever for terry mccarl but uh terry will be back there with the 360 so uh, in the in the 24 car
0: yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that Destiny car, but it just seems like anybody that gets in it, th- they're better off without it. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they have good stuff. I don't I don't, I don't know the equipment. I mean, it looks nice from from my perspective, but I just,
1: I don't know.
2: Some cars are like
0: that.
1: Have you guys heard any other drivers that's going to be there? I think, isn't there an MSTS race or is that Friday? I am not sure. I but don't there's know. St- you still, think I,
0: we're I, race car fans here?
1: I would. <laughs> you'd think we'd know. I would guess that there's going to be 30-plus cars there because the ASCS is going to bring in 10 or 12 cars. Um, Knoxville's not doing anything, so I would expect Jamie Ball to be over there, uh, the three McCarls. Um, I always Probably see Clint Gardner down there. Clint Gardner mm-hmm. might come down. So if you come up to Houston so. Yeah, so I would expect a good 30-car count, if not even more than that. With the,
2: with the season that got cut short, you're seeing a lot more Knoxville yeah. guys getting out than yeah. usual.
1: And and for me, a thirty car count for one night of racing, I think is is pretty good. So I, I'd be completely happy with thirty cars.
0: Yeah, I'm just excited. I mean, in the past two weeks, we've gotten to see four tens, three hundred fives, and now three sixties. at you know, within twenty minutes of our home, so it's pretty nice. You know, little area that we get to live in right now.
1: Yeah, it's not Pennsylvania, but uh, we'll, well, I'll take a 22 minute drive to, to I eighty uh, any any given day. Yeah, it's,
2: it's closer to my I eighty is closer to my house than Eagle is now. So yeah,
1: yeah, you just hop on I eighty and yep. you Off roll up
0: go. and you're good to go. Yeah,
1: and they they have camping spots there. The weather's going to be beautiful. I think 78 on Saturday. I think it is. Yeah, as long as we don't get any rain. Yeah, and then we're gonna make sure the track's ready to go because we got rain all week long up until. Um, Saturday, so uh, fans come out and, and support i eighty Speedway. I don't know all the support classes. I, I don't remember reading up on that, but uh, uh, they'll have they'll uh, have a couple.
2: Yeah, well, on on Saturday it'll be the super late models. We'll be part of the sport class. So oh, okay. it, it'd be a very good show.
0: Yeah, you know, super late models are going to give us kind of a little preview of uh, what i eighty picked up with the cancellation of the Knoxville late model nationals. They picked up that race, and uh, I don't remember what they're calling it, but Basically, the I-80 Nationals. I yeah, basically, so the, the, I think, yeah, the yeah. I-80 Nationals. Yeah, basically, the late model Nationals have moved from Knoxville to I-80, which is a great pickup for the Kasiski family. And uh, I know you mentioned that you might go out
1: there. Uh, I'm thinking about doing the same, at least yeah, one night.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's actually where I'm going to close out. Some of the reason will be actually some non-sprint car races.
1: Well, on Friday, it's going to be the Nebraska 360s with the Bobby Parker Memorial. Um, sport mods. Uh, BRLMS so late models and compacts and they start at seven fifteen. Um, th- I'm pretty sure they have a pretty good payout. They have like twenty five hundred to win and five yeah, d- hundred dollars to start. Yeah, so. Dennis
0: is putting a lot of work to make this a, a higher paying show than your normal Nebraska three sixty race.
1: And I feel bad for Dennis. All he wants to do is memorialize his dad, but it just seems like mother nature always has other plans for this race no matter what part of the year it's in and so hopefully uh Dennis Parker can get this race in for that for his dad and honor the his dad and the Nebraska 360 sprint series and put on a pretty good show and and hopefully it all works out
0: yeah definitely and with that being said uh we we want to pass on a little little bit of sad news uh right before we recorded this episode we found out that uh Long-time Sprint Car owner, uh, father of Billy Alley. Uh, Stuart Alley passed away over the weekend. Uh, Pretty sad deal. We just want to give everybody our thoughts and prayers and uh, just keep the Alley family in your thoughts right now.
1: For sure. It was a sad deal, and Billy Alley's been a a, a fan favorite for years. Uh, We all miss him, and and his dad was a staple. Uh, He was the backbone to Billy Alley's career. So um, sorry to hear the passing of Billy's dad and uh, our prayers to the family
2: yeah definitely it was you know it was sad to hear, and it just came along uh pancreatic cancer come along very suddenly and uh, just
0: you know, again, thoughts and prayers to the whole family yeah definitely so uh Billy, we're thinking about you um if you need anything we're all three of us are here for you so uh that being said, we want to thank everybody for jumping on the podcast with us, and we will see you next week.